Amen and amen. If you heard a word from the Lord, would you say amen? If you were blessed, say amen a little louder. All right, no mumbling this morning. Just thank you, thank you, students, Abby and Veronica. Thank you so very, very much. It's good to see y'all, some of y'all back. Rest of us couldn't afford to go anywhere last week, but I'm glad you were able to renew your levels of strength and be revived. <laughs> we welcome all of you back. Good, good number here today and a good spirit uh, here today as well. We're in Philippians. We're in chapter 2. We're in Philippians, and we are in chapter 2 as we consider the names of God. Wow, the names of God. Well, it's a bit presumptuous to think that I can cover all the names of God here today in this single message. Um, but I have been led of the Lord to, to, well, let's use the word transition or a bridge from where we were last week as we heard God speak to the Apostle Paul. So we talked about God speaks. Do we listen? And as we consider what the Lord told Paul in that barracks in Jerusalem, uh, we come up with a letter that Paul wrote. And I have asked some students to look it up in Google and to tell us what city did Paul write this letter to the Philippians and about when was the date, what was the city where did you write it from, and what was the date? Anybody got it? You students got it? Raise your hand. S stand up and say it real loud. Hey, give him a hand, give him a hand. Perfect. Spot on, spot on. Well, that helps me introduce the message today, and don't need to say a whole lot more. We are going to read verses 9 through 11 together, but I want to set the stage of the background for this passage of Scripture and read verses 5 and following. Yes, Paul was in Jerusalem in the barracks, and while he was in the barracks in Jerusalem, actually that prison barracks saved him from a riot in Jerusalem. They were going to hang him, they were going to stone him, kill him, and do something with him. And he appealed to go to Rome, and while he was in those barracks, the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, Paul, take courage. Now that spoke to me powerfully. And I'm praying as you hear it again and again today, it'll speak powerfully to you as well. Paul, he said, on the second night he was in those barracks, take courage. The Lord stood right beside him and spoke to him and said, take courage. Somebody here today and are listening today that needs to hear those words from the Lord, take courage. Paul, as you were my witness in Jerusalem, you will also be my witness in, where was it written from, students? Rome. Thank you. And about three years later, he did get to Rome, and he's witnessed before Caesar there in Rome. And while he was there, he was allowed have guests and visitors, um, and uh, he was allowed to be cared for by others on his mission team back and forth. Many of the letters that we have from the Apostle Paul are from his 
times of missionary work when he was bound and chained. And so he would introduce his letters by saying, Paul, a bond servant, a bond servant. And to the church at Philippi, Paul is in Rome. It won't be long before he'll be executed. He writes these words in chapter 2, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen carefully. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped, held on to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, you, me, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Join me in verse 9 as this bell of the gospel begins to pick back up to the other side. This picture of baptism, this picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. This hymn, if you will, this is a hymn, this hymn of the incarnation of the Christ to us and he's died on the cross. This baptismal picture of going down into the water before coming back up. Hear the gospel. Read it with me. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those that are in heaven, on the earth, even under the earth, that every tongue should confess, my tongue, your tongue, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to take today's message from that last sentence that says every tongue should confess that kurios Jesus Christos, Lord Jesus Christ, it's how it reads in the Greek, to the glory of God the Father. And there are three things we're going to learn today in this message. I, I pray we're going to learn these three things. And our theme is going to be this as we study together and look together at God's precious holy word. Our theme of the message today is God wants us to be very clear about him. So that you and I can be courageous in our journey with him. Paul, Jesus said to Paul in the prison... Take courage, Paul. Every time God reveals himself, he is revealing himself to, to say to us, Be courageous. I am with you. This is how awesome God is who is with you in your journey of discipleship and following Jesus Christ. So the first point of our message today is simply God's name reveals his nature as person. Paul first appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, and Paul bowed and said, Kurios, that means Lord. He come to know him as Jesus and Christos. And what we learn from the revelation of God to us when he reveals his name is that God is eternal, 
and he invites us to know him eternally. God is eternal and invites us to know him eternally. That's what he wanted Moses to know about him. On the backside of the, of the mountain there, God revealed himself as Yahweh. And uh, when he commissioned Moses to go into Egypt, Moses said, well, who are you that speaks to me from this burning bush? And he says, I'll tell you who I am. I'll give you my name, Yahweh. I am, I, or I will be who I will be. God is the great I am. God is. God, God was, is, and is to come, the Bible says. And he is eternal. In other passages of the Bible, like Isaiah, there are other words besides Yahweh, words like Elohim and Adonai. And these words mean holy God, sovereign God, God who rules and is Lord of this world, and hopefully you've made him Lord of your life. And what we can surmise from all of these names of God, and I wouldn't even begin to list you. You can look them up for yourself on the Internet, and I hope you, some of you that are can Google while I'm talking and do three things at the same time, which I can't do. You will rejoice at the many names of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. But what I want you to bring home today is this. God is eternal in His nature. He is absolute and unchanging. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Malachi, God says, I, Yahweh, do not change. That's in the writing of the prophets. In the book of Revelation that we will be in in the month of November, uh, God says, I'm the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, These are the letters of the Greek alphabet. I am all things. Mainly, I exist eternally and I am unchanging. And folks, When your life is changing like our world is changing so drastically, so weirdly, if you will, uh, we need to know that some things will not change. Some things are absolute truth. Some things are like a rock that you can build your house or your life on. And that unchanging truth is God with us, Jesus Christ. The confidence in the unchanging nature of God fortifies our courage to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said to Paul as he stood beside him in the barracks in Jerusalem. Take courage, I will be with you. And whatever you're dealing with right now that's challenging your courage, remember God never changes. While your world may be falling apart, God is never changing. God is good all the time. God's name reveals his nature as person. So God is eternal, and he invites us to know him eternally. God is also person, and he invites us to know him personally. In Jesus Christ, the Gospel of John says the Word, that is Jesus, who was, who is eternal, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is eternal life, John, Jesus said in John 17, that they may know thee, as Jesus prayed for us, the only true God and Jesus Christ, 
whom thou hast sent. So God's name reveals his nature as person. How does this matter? What does this matter to me? What does this matter to me? Well, think of it this way. Preacher tells a story about a little boy named Jimmy. Wasn't our Jimmy, but a little boy named Jimmy. He was about eight years old and was on the baseball team, a little league team in his town. And on a Friday evening, he asked his mom, he said, Mama, um, when did the coach say our next practice is? She said, uh, Jimmy, I, I think it's Tuesday, sometime Tuesday. I'll call the coach, he said. So anxious Jimmy got on the phone and he called his coach and he, he said, Coach, when's our next, when's our next practice? Well, Jimmy, it's, it's Tuesday and it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. All right, Coach, I'll be there. You can count on me. Well, Saturday came along and Jimmy asked his mother, said, Mom, now, now when, was, uh, when, when was the practice? She said, Jimmy, it's going to be Tuesday. It's going to be 5 o'clock. He said, I better call the coach just to make sure. So he calls the coach and he said, Coach, when's our next practice? Coach said, it's Tuesday, Jimmy, and it'll be at 5 o'clock. Well, you can count on me, he said. I'll be there. Well, the weekend went through, and Tuesday came along. Tuesday afternoon, about 3 o'clock, it began to rain. And Jimmy's mother noticed that the rain got a little harder and got a little more uh, downpour. And she said to Jimmy, she said, Jimmy, you're not going to be able to go to baseball practice today. It's raining. It's, it's pouring down and rain out there. Jimmy, you... Jimmy? And she saw him on his, his bicycle with his glove on his handlebars driving to the baseball field, riding to the baseball field. As he got near the baseball field, the coach's wife was also looking out the window. It's about 4.30 now. And she says to the coach, Coach, come look out here. There's a little boy standing out here in the field. And the field is like a swamp, and it's raining, pouring down rain, and he's soaking wet. Who is that? Coach looks out. He says, it's little Jimmy. Coach puts on his rain gear, puts on his galoshes, puts on his cap, and he gets his umbrella, and he goes out there in the rain, and there's Jimmy right there around home plate, and it's just full of water. And he said, Jimmy, what in the world are you doing here? We can't play baseball today we can't it's pouring down rain and little Jimmy's just soaked from all the way down to his bones and he said Jimmy we can't play baseball today and he hollers back to the coach he says I told you I'd be here coach I gave you my word Jesus said to the Apostle Paul in that prison, I'll be with you. Take courage. I give you my word. God has given us his word fully and completely in Jesus Christ, fully revealed in Christ. He is eternal. He is immortal. He is invisible. He is omniscient. He is transcendent. He is omnipresent. God wants us to be clear about Him 
so we can be courageous in our journey with him. That's what this message is all about. Second point I want to get across to you today is that God's name reveals his compassionate presence. Read again in verse 11 that every tongue should confess that Kudios Jesus Christos to the glory of God the what? God the who? God the Father. God the Father. When they heard the passage I read a while ago, does anybody know, teachers know about this, about the bell curve? Grading on the bell curve. I don't know if we do that anymore. It got me a lot of B's in college. The bell curve. Well, invert that and you have the gospel curve. That's what I call it. God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He humbled himself. It's like a pendulum swinging, coming down. God, uh, Jesus, humbled himself, became obedient to the Father, even to the point of death, and he died on a cross. And that pendulum swings a little further high now, but God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. Every tongue should uh, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see how high it goes back up? This bell curve starts in eternity past and ends in eternity future. And in all that glory and under... and, and you know, we just can't understand that. I, I heard a lot of big theology words when I were, was in seminary. And I was sitting in a class one day, and the professor was trying to explain to me eternity past. And he said, that's preexistence. And he said, you can't know it. And he used the word uh, inderivable. And then he said, we call it preexistent underivability. And I just threw my pencil up. I give up. I give up. Dr. Tupper was a brilliant professor, but only the boys going on to the Ph.D. understood that. Yeah, that's what that gospel bell curve is all about. God came to us as a father comes to his children. A truth you can take home with you is two. I'm going to give you two truths. One is God is always loving us and seeking after us no matter where we are. Luke which I'll preach out of in Advent to Easter. Luke tells us in chapter 15 about the lost sheep and the shepherd who went after that one, about the lost coin and the woman who swept until she found it, and the lost son, three parables in that chapter. And we remember the lost son more than we remember all the others. But God is always loving us and seeking after us no matter where we are and I want you to know today God loves you just like you are wherever you are he just doesn't want you to stay there and stay that way he's always loving us and seeking after us no matter where we are another truth we can take home from this understanding of the passionate father in heaven is God's always raising up a family he is our father and we, the church, is, we are his family. This term father is used 15 times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, we understand 
that he uses it 245 times. It must be an important term. And when you apply it to our relationship to him and God building family, God building a people for his own possession, uh, Peter writes, our church family is challenged to be a praying family. Jesus taught us to pray in the Gospel of Luke. And he didn't say, my Father who art in heaven. He said, pray our Father who art in heaven because it's a we prayer. It's a us prayer. It's about family. It's about community of faith. And that's why we need more prayer warriors in this family of faith. I love when I read the emails from uh, Brother Bob Kahn. Prayer warriors, notice this. Be in prayer for that person. And family members need one another. Your biological, your family of origin that you were born into, you didn't, you didn't get to choose them. But you do get to decide your church family. When you pray to accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you've made a decision to be a part of God's family. And we need each other for at least three th reasons. I won't go deep into this, but just think about it with me. We need each other to sustain our perspective. When we're trying to understand and read the Scripture, uh, we don't get lost in wrong doctrine or false doctrine. We need it to understand perspective because when we are at a, dealing with COVID here at Ekron Baptist Church, uh, one person has one thought, another person has another thought, but when you get all these people together in a room, we hear God speak as a family. So we keep perspective about the future. Uh, some of us get real lonesome. Some of us get very depressed. Uh, some of us get very beat down uh, just trying to deal with life. And another one that calls and says, you are loved, you're being thought about today, lifts my head and look out to the fields that are white and to harvest, and I begin to realize I have a purpose in life, I have a mission in life. When we get so um, inward thinking like a huddle at a football game to maintain the little huddle, uh, that's not our mission. Our mission is to go out and face the opponent, the devil himself, and to work together and play together to destroy the garrisons of evil that are in this world and in Meade County and right up and down the street where you live. We are the church. And to maintain perspective, we need each other. We are a family under the Father. We need each other to experience the very mystery of God's love. The song we just heard uh, solo by uh, Veronica and Abby, uh, how beautiful, the wonders of God. Uh, let's encourage each other to keep seeking the awesome wonder of the majesty of God. And when your preacher gets too hung up on the details of how things are going at the church, just remind him to go out to the parking lot and look at the sun set in the west and get some perspective on what this world is all about. Um, that I don't have to be caught up in my self-knowledge of God. God is greater than I can understand. The Bible says God is mystery. He's mystery. And a lot of people ask me questions about this and that in the Bible. I don't have the answers because... God knows, and someday we'll know, even as we're known now. Let's not lose the mystery. Let's not become so mundane in our prayer and our worship that we miss out on the mystery 
of God. And we need each other through the peaks and the valleys, the high times and the low times. So as Jesus told the Apostle Paul, take courage, Paul. Let us do what is right toward others. The prophet Hosea says, plant what is right, sow the seed of what is right, and then you will have harvest, a good harvest, from things from your loyalty to me. Oswald Chambers says, every time I obey God, hear this, this is a great quote by him, every time I obey God, absolute deity is on my side. Mm. Take courage, church. Take courage, church. Let me take a drink of water here. Thank you, Richard. Because I really want you to listen carefully as I, your loving pastor, plow a little closer to the corn. Take courage, church. Put away the put-downs. I preached that for 30 years, the church I came from. One or two caught on. Put away the put-downs. When we cut people down in our church family, we are not cute. We are cruel. Gossip and sarcastic remarks, listen, gossip and sarcastic remarks, I'm going to look down so I don't see anybody's eyes out here because I know there's none of that going on at Ekron Baptist Church. Gossip and sarcastic remarks are a desperate attempt to mask my own sin and shame. Take courage, church family. Let's parent the children under God's umbrella of grace. Take courage, families. Don't let the stress of raising your children, your grandchildren, or your neighbor's children, whoever you're in charge of, don't stress it out. Follow the instructions of the Apostle Paul who simply said, let us raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. These are two sides of raising kids. One is good discipline, that's the nurture of the Lord, good boundary, that builds security in our children. Um, an admonition is this is right and, and this is wrong. But when I go to the stores and I hear parents address their children, and I know we've been through it with the screaming and the crying and so forth, there, there are techniques, there are ways, but don't berate them. When we berate children, we chisel away the image of God in them. We wonder why children are so mistrusting of authority in school. Well, they don't even trust their parents to speak anything positive to them. It is the image of God, the imago Deo. It is the person of God that's embedded in every child's heart. And we spend our lives chipping it away with cruelty. Cruelty. Remember the theme of our message. 
God wants us to be clear about him so we can be courageous in our journey with him, with him. Third point of this message simply says, God's name reveals his transforming power. Go to that verse again, verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every person that confesses Jesus is Lord is a change, is a transformed, uh, metamorphosized person uh, through the power of the name, the very name of Jesus Christ. Let's say that name together, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's sing that song. There's just something about that name. Many evangelists will use the word Christ. Even very few will use the name Jesus. It's the name Jesus that will save you from your sin. If you'll call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. And the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, Take courage, Paul, as you were my witness in Jerusalem. I mean, yeah, Jerusalem, you're also going to be my witness in Rome. And Paul took courage, all right, because he knew Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And in Rome, he was executed. And there, Paul, on that day of execution, he joined what I call the martyrs who are allowed to bow at the feet of Jesus on the front row. I've come to believe there are some people that's going to be on the front row of heaven, and I'm not that person. It's the martyrs that were burned alive and burned at the stake. Because Revelation 12.10 says, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ has come. That's what it's like in heaven. For the accuser, that's the devil, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses us before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. That's the revelation description of the martyrs who are on the front row at the feet of Jesus. Wow. So church, church, take courage. Courage to be faithful in your ministry. Take courage, believer. And you stand alone for Jesus Christ. Take courage. You have new opportunities. Our church is facing a future right now like a blank page. Take courage. We have new opportunities coming. The Lord said, I'll be with you. And he will. Will you bow your head with me? If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come while we sing this song and just sit on the front row. Just sit on the front row. We'll talk with you and counsel with you. All you got to do is just come up here and sit on that front row. <clears throat> sit on that front row. If you wish to unite with Ekron Baptist from a sister church of like faith and order, you come. Sit on that front row. Maybe you're here and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord while we sing where you are. Just tell the Lord, give me courage to do what I know to do.
to do what little I do understand. Your will for my life. Take courage. New opportunities are coming. Lord, open my heart to serve in new ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.